Funny man Doug Marone yesterday. It highly entertained Wilds, I'll tell you that much. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Things First on a Friday morning. Jenna Wolf, Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, Chris Broussard. Oh, a lot happened last. I don't know where anybody is, Wilds. Some of us are on Wi-Fi. Some of us are to our left and to our right. I don't know. Some of us have electricity. Some of us don't. It's been a long morning. But we've got a great show coming up. Uh, ben Simmons is now out indefinitely. Does that alter the future of the 76ers? We'll talk about that. Did the Clippers convince Nick that they're for real after last night? And has the clock finally run out on Tom Brady? We will hear from Tom Brady himself coming up. But we got to start in the NBA in the bubble last night with the marquee matchup. Well, it could have been the marquee matchup, Lakers, Rockets, but LeBron was out for the Lakers. Russ was out for the Rockets. And so James Harden was your one-man show. 39-8-12 for the Beard as the Rockets cruised to a win. That's another loss for the Lakers. So if that, guys, wasn't the marquee matchup, might I suggest Blazers Nuggets? Because, Wilds, what time is it? Oh. Well, it's Dame time. It's Dame time now. It will be also be Dame time at the end of the show. It's always Dame time. It's Dame time. Damian Lillard, 45 points, 12 boards, and 11 three-pointers last night. So Blazers get another win. They're now just a half game back of the eight seed. Here is Dame on the state of his Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I know that I'm always... Uh optimistic and I always see the best in, in situations, especially a situation like this. Um, and it was also why I, I said what I said, you know, months ago and I said, if we don't have a chance to compete for a playoff spot, I don't want to play because I knew that if we did have a chance to play for a playoff spot, you know, it would, it would uh, look something like it looks right now. All right. So Nick, Let's your go. Lakers could be staring at a first-round matchup with Wild's red-hot Blazers. Should the Lakers be concerned at this point? Absolutely not. But uh, l listen, buckle up. I got a lot to get through right here. I'll try to do as quickly as possible. Oh <laughs> first of all, shout out to Daryl Morey, James Harden's Houston Rockets for hopefully winning you guys some money and me some money last oh, night. Told you at the end of the show, sure. the Rockets were going to roll the Lakers. It's exactly what happened. That's first of all. Second shout-out this morning. I'm like Hot 97, giving shout-outs everywhere. Shout-out <laughs> to the Denver Nuggets for a little, uh, a, a, a little manipulation of the playoff bracket, which I'm all for. They, they see the Blazers coming. They see the Lakers potentially being wobbly. So you know what they do? Will Barton, take the night off. Paul Millsap, you know, you've deserved it. Oh, Jamal Murray, you've Will been Barton. hurt. You're still out. Gary Harris Jr., that's four of your top eight players not playing. Despite that, the Nuggets had a fourth-quarter lead over the unbeatable, dominating Kevin Wilde's <laughs> Portland Trailblazers. So the Nuggets went even further and said, Nikola Jokic, you've been playing. You don't need to play anymore. Now, he hadn't been playing that well. Chris Broussard's third in the MVP, I think, at eight points last night, but who cares? So the Nuggets <laughs> wanted the Blazers to win. The Blazers eventually obliged. And so I'm very excited because it's a tradition unlike almost any other in the NBA and American sports. A late-season, regular-season swoon of a LeBron James team that makes people say really foolish things. I'm old enough to remember all the way back in 2018 when that Cavs team was such a mess, folks went on television 
and picked the Pacers to beat them and then had the Raptors as massive favorites in that series. I'm old enough to remember in 2016 when that was the year that the Raptors were going to get through or in 2015 when the Hawks, oh my God, the Hawks, the Cavs don't have it together, David Blatt, and what happened? The LeBron James team did not underachieve. They overachieved. In fact, what's the last time a LeBron James-led team underachieved in the postseason? You could argue 2014, the finals lost to the Spurs. I would say it's been all the way back to 2011. So no, I'm not worried about the Blazers. I'm not as convinced as you guys are that this will even be the matchup we get. But the rest of the West, because they are accurately and acutely worried about the Lakers, Broussard, the rest of the West is going to help the Blazers along the way. You had the Nuggets help them last night, and Saturday, you know the Blazers play? The Los Angeles Clippers. Set your watch to it. My guess is Kawhi, Paul George, uh, you know, have the night off, because the whole West would love the Lakers to have a tough first-round matchup, so the Blazers will be tried to be pushed into the postseason, but no, I'm not concerned about it, Chris Broussard. You know, what all of that says to me, you're very concerned, Nick Wright. You are very worried. God. And you, I don't lie to America. Let me keep, let me keep with the premise of the show and give a shout-out myself to the Portland Trailblazers. I'm happy for these guys. You know, Dame Lillard, we know he's one of the best players in the league. And uh, second, by the way, on my all-NBA ballot, my official ballot, uh, as a guard. But... Damian Lillard is playing great. I'm happy for the Blazers because they're healthy. Zach Collins is back. Of course, Yusef Nurkic, who's playing really great ball, is back. So shout out to the Blazers. I couldn't be happier for this team. They will be the AC, Nick Wright. Mark it down. I don't mm -hmm. even think Memphis Maybe. is going to be in the playoff play-in play game. I think it's going to be Portland and maybe Phoenix or somebody like that. But Portland's getting there. All of that said, I'm with Nick. There is no reason what? to worry, all right? The fact is, as good as Portland looks right now, they're not going to beat the Lakers. The problem the Blazers have when they face the Lakers is that they have absolutely, positively no one to guard LeBron James. Not who, Carmelo Bingo. Anthony? Not Hoodie Melo couldn't guard him. Skinny Melo can't guard him. <laughs> Even Nick Syracuse <laughs> Mello couldn't guard LeBron James and Zach Collins. Syracuse Mello. They got nobody to guard, to. nobody to guard LeBron. And there is such a thing as Nick pointed out as playoff LeBron. You give playoff LeBron Anthony Davis, oh, they're they're running through the Blazers. Maybe they take them five and a six. Five? I don't know, but there's no way they're beating the Lakers. Yeah. How's that feel, okay. Wilds? You like that? It, it it feels fine. I Broussard started out, but he pulled a Nick Wright. He started out by shouting out himself for and congratulating him. And he's happy for the guys that he throws him on the bus two under the bus two minutes later. <laughs> All right, hey, some I'm weekend watching. <laughs> hey, on Sunday it's Tyson versus Jaws, part of Shark Week, and it made me start thinking. You know who reminds me of Mike Tyson here? The Lakers. And a big question of this is like, hey, is this fight, Tyson versus Jaws, going to be on the water or in land? Because if it's on land, I think Tyson would have the advantage. But it's in water, I would probably go with the uh, man-eating beast. So here's probably. the thing. The Lakers are Mike Tyson, the Blazers are the Jaws, and the bubble is the deep blue sea. 
Because look at the Lakers in the bubble. The worst. Field goal percentage. The worst. Three-point percentage. The worst. Second worst free throws. Bad news, they're second to last in assists, and they're also turning the ball over. Then look at the lovely Blazers who have a brand new team. Oh, there's the, they're the best. The ninth doesn't seem great. I would have taken that off the graphic if I was in control of the entire graphic. Three-point is the best, too. <laughs> and I know you're saying, but LeBron. Okay, but LeBron, but AD. The thing about the Blazers, Nick, there are multiple ways to beat you. Dame had 45, Nurkic had 22, Gary no, Trent Jr. had 27, no. CJ and Melo only had 20 combined. Doesn't matter, they can still win. I would be very nervous. You know there's no home court. The idea that there's no reason to be nervous is silly. You got to give yourself, a, 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 say, a little bit nervous. You're, right now you're like the guy getting thrown out of the bar claiming he's not drunk. Dude, just say you're no. Say you're oh, a little bit drunk. No, and, and then that you'll behave. No, because this is the same thing. You weren't with the show yet, but this is the same okay. thing two years ago. Jenna tried to convince me to say all year long about the Cavs in 2018, who not only didn't have an Anthony Davis, they had nobody. Love was in and out of the lineup. It I was did. Kyrie was already gone. Those trades had gone wrong, and every time, especially in the end of the season, as the Cavs were limping towards what was it, the four seat. She was like, Nick, admit it, you're nervous. Nick, admit it, you don't have to, you know, admit it. Give yourself an out. Stop being, I'm not nervous. I'll go a step further. I hope oh boy. the Blazers do get the eight seed. I'm not as convinced as you guys that they will, but here's why. The one thing you said, Wilds, that I agree with is, obviously, the Lakers' offense has been a disaster during the bubble. Do yes. you know what the ultimate panacea to that is? The 27th ranked Blazers defense. LeBron has looked nothing like LeBron in the bubble. Do you know what the ultimate elixir for that is? Having Gary Trent Jr. or whomever the hell the Blazers <laughs> are going to try to throw out on him on him in the first round. Because the playoffs will start in round two for the Lakers. They might be playing the Rockets. They might be playing the Nuggets, who by then miraculously will have four of their top eight players back who they didn't play yesterday. And they're going to have to be clicking on both fronts. But Broussard, whether it's the Blazers or whomever else could make the eight seed, here are the defensive rankings. Blazers, 27th. Memphis, 16th. Pelicans, 19th. Phoenix, 18th. I say that to say this. The Lakers offense, which has been dreadful, is going to get some get right whomever they play in the first round of the playoffs, which will have them rolling into round two. So I, even though, it, and again, I think the Blazers will beat the Clippers on Saturday because I think the Clippers want the Blazers in the playoffs so they'll rest people, but I'm not concerned about it. I'll say this for Wilds. If I'm the Lakers, I'm not worried about any of the teams, but yeah, the last team of the grouping that could they could play in the first round that they'd like to see is Portland. Danny Green said as much. He didn't say they're worried or scared about the Blazers, but he said of all those teams, Memphis, Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, the one that would give them the most trouble would be Portland. Their experience, they shoot the lights out. The Lakers have trouble guarding the perimeter. That All that said, though, the Lakers will beat Portland in the first round. Mark of Brothers' words. I'll hey, still buy that Lakers stock if anyone's selling it. So Oh, sorry. The, uh, the Lakers might have that one seed in the West, but Giannis and the Bucks locked up the one seed in the East yesterday. Wait till you see how that happened. Next on First Things First. All right, gentlemen. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. 
That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash FTF, theragun.com slash FTF. Time for drawing a blank. Starting with some tough news for the 76ers. Ben Simmons is out indefinitely with a partially dislocated left kneecap. So the Sixers load now falls on the shoulders of Joel Embiid. Our friends over at Fox Bet giving the Sixers plus 3,000 odds to win the title. Nick, Ben Simmons' injury means blank. Yeah, I say franchise changing, and I want to give my friend Chris Broussard credit for kind of putting my brain in this space, which is... In order for Brett Brown to keep his job and for the Sixers to make no major changes, they needed to go on a substantial playoff run with Ben and Embiid playing well together. Now that's an impossibility. Either option A, they flame out early, in which case Brett Brown's gone, or option B, they do go on a sustained playoff run, but that's going to be because Embiid takes his game to another level without Simmons, in which case maybe they keep the coach and shop Ben Simmons this summer if they do well in the bubble without him. So either way, choose your own adventure. It's a franchise-changing moment because the next few Hmm. weeks will determine, I think, either the future of the coach or of the point guard in Philly, Broussard. Yeah, I say, Nick, it's unfortunate. As as much as I've talked about, and I, I, I believe this, that they have not found a way to maximize Embiid and Simmons together, they still are a better team with both of them. They're better than they would be without them, or at least with this roster. Now, they could trade for really good players and then be better, but with what they have now on the roster, they're better with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So I don't expect them to make much of a run at all. It looks like they're going to get Boston in the first round. They're decisive underdogs. If you want to look at a bright spot, it's that MB will play closer to the basket now. They'll play him without Horford. Horford can be the three-point shooter and spread the floor. So that's a bright spot. MB should shine individually, but I don't see them beating Boston and getting out of the first round. Oh, wow. I, I still think they could beat the Celtics. The Celtics just don't play well with or without uh, Ben on the floor. Look, I put 110% or better, and we have some video of John Wall. Say 110% because John Wall a few weeks ago said, I feel 110%. And then he released this video on Instagram. So it's the same thing with Ben. These injuries are starting to pile up post-All-Star. We were going to go into the bubble, say, oh, Ben's healthy now. Now he's hurt again. I don't want to see Ben back on the court until he can do this exact workout with or without a shirt, Jenna. <laughs> Out of shirt. All right, on to the Bucks. 
Uh, they had to mount the comebacks of comebacks to beat the Heat yesterday, thanks to Giannis, who put up 33-12. and 12. Milwaukee clinching that number one seed in the East. So, Nick, the Bucks coming back from a 23-point deficit to beat Miami, who did not play Jimmy Butler yesterday, was blank. Low-key important, because you don't want to overreact to things that just happened in the bubble, but Milwaukee's swoon had started before the bubble. How about this for a number? Milwaukee this season started 52-8. and eight. They lost eight times in their first 60 games. Over their next eight games, which is the end of the regular season and then into the bubble, they lost six times. They lost six out of eight, and this was looking like it was going to be seven out of nine against a team they might be facing in the second round of the playoffs who beat them right before the season got halted. So the fact that they came back, asserted themselves after their stumble in the previous game against Brooklyn and then the terrible first half, Broussard, I actually think it was relatively important for the Bucks' psyche headed into the postseason. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Nick. I use the word necessary. It was necessary. They were 0-2 against Miami, and they have a lot of young players who've never gone deep, you know, gotten over the hump, or veteran players yep. who've never gotten over the hump in the playoffs. So mentally, it could have messed with them. Maybe it would have even messed with Giannis, for all we know. He had struggled. Bam Adebayo had done a really good job on him in their last meeting, held him to 13 points. And this game, of course, Giannis had his way. So this was important for them mentally to beat Miami and feel good about themselves. So, Jenna, I'm not saying it was a lucky win. I'm just saying somewhat lucky. When they pulled away in the fourth quarter, Chris Middleton had two of the luckiest shots you've ever seen. The first one was an alley-oop to Giannis that goes in. It's so poorly done. And then he banks in a three later on. So I'm not saying it was lucky, just somewhat lucky. Okay, take it. Moving on. Let's talk some Pelicans. Zion looked awfully good yesterday, finishing 24 points, 10 of 12 shooting from the field in just 22 minutes of play. But the Pelicans would fall to the Kings 140 to 125. Nick, Zion's performance in the losing effort was blank. Expected, and by that I mean good and bad. Expected on the good side. Listen, nobody right now, Zion's going to get his. 24 points on 12 shots in 22 minutes. He, even before the shutdown, was averaging about a point a minute in his limited NBA action. He is going to be a transcendent offensive force, but also expected because the Pelicans, I, they hadn't been a great defensive team before the bubble, but they are guarding no one. And Zion's a part of that as well. I thought he was going to come into the league as a very good weak side help defender because of his athleticism. He's totally lost on that end. And in a game you've got to win if you're New Orleans, letting the Kings hang a buck and a half on you almost, it's just unacceptable, even if you kind of expected it defensively from them, Broussard. Yeah, for all of Zion's promise, he hasn't earned the right to have an esque after his name, but I'm going to do it anyway. What? It was Zion-esque. All right, like Nick said, he's a scorer. I mean, this dude scores. If he's on the floor, he's going to score, and he's going to do it efficiently. It was 10 to 12 from the floor. But what else did he do? Nothing. Two rebounds. That's about, <laughs> I mean, that's worse, bad for him. But he's only averaging six. He doesn't rebound the basketball. 
As Nick said, defensively, he was a minus 12 in the plus minus. He wasn't doing anything on that floor. And oh, by the way, they lost, which is also Zion-esque at this point because they were 11 and yep. five in the 16 games before he showed up. They're 11 and 12 with Zion on the court. I watched the, the, this game, and the announcers were like, what a game. I'm like, this game is terrible. This game is terrible. They combined for 88 <laughs> points in the first quarter. The Kings were held to 78% shooting, which is hard to do if no one is even in the gym when you're just by yourself. So I wrote format change because remember the terrible All-Star game when they're like, this is so bad, we need to totally rethink the All-Star game. They combined for 101 points in their first quarter. Yesterday was 88. So next time the Kings and the Pelicans change, we need to do something else. You can pick the team because currently constructed it is not working. It is not entertaining. Kevin Wright, truth more mad than I Kevin thought. Wilds also. They improved to 4 and I can't get your name right this week. They improved to 4-0 oh in the bubble. The Suns did with their win over the Pacers yesterday. How about this? Suns and Raptors now. The only two perfect teams in the bubble. Another big game for Devin Booker. 20 points, 10 assists. DeAndre Ayton gave you 23 and 10. So Nick, right. The Suns improving to a perfect 4-0 in the bubble is blank. I'm surprised I'm saying this because that hasn't been a well-run franchise. But I think a sign of things to come. And I don't necessarily mean for the rest of this bubble, but I mean for next season. You see what the Suns are building, the level Booker's playing at. Aiton, I know everyone knows they should have taken Luka, but still, Aiton's a hell of a player, young player after that early season suspension as well. And you've got to look at the Suns as a potential playoff team in the West next year, given this performance and the trajectory. Also, I, I like the experience for them because they were the last team let into the bubble in the West. Every game they've played has been a playoff game for them, and they have answered the call. And so, Broussard, this is kind of like getting playoff experience without actually making the playoffs. I think it could be super useful for them headed into next season. Yeah, Nick, and I'm going to harken back to what you said in the first part of this segment uh, about Philadelphia. I think it's Philly's loss. Because Monty Williams, the coach in Phoenix, is doing a good job there. And remember, he was an assistant in Philadelphia. A lot of people thought he was going to get that job, that they were going to get rid yeah. of Brett Brown and give it to Monty Williams. They didn't. They obviously kept Brett. But Monty's a guy who I thought did a good job in New Orleans. His problem was just his guys were injured half the time. And, you know, he did a good job. You know, he was in Portland before that. Did a solid job. Now he's doing a good job in Phoenix. He to get this team mentally ready to play when they really they were one of the teams going to the bubble that had little to play for, little to reason to think they could get in the playoffs. And he's got them in the right space mentally, playing hard, executing well. That could have been Philadelphia. Wow, I like that for sorry. Um, look, I went with format change again. It's my second consecutive format change answer, and here's why. I think that these sort of uh, the, the bubble, try to get into the bubble playoff experience has been a huge success. That was the whole point of try, trying to get into the bubble playoff. Yeah, uh, it's been a huge success. We're going to see this from here on out. We wanted to roll out some changes in the bubble to give them a shot. From here on out, I think the NBA is going to change it. This will be a consistent thing for the rest of your NBA life as a viewer and a fan. Ooh. 
It's a long time. Well, we're going to stick to format now, show some video, read something that's going to come up next. Talk some football. Hey, despite all the rings and all the accolades, it is back to being all new for Tom Brady this year, and he is well aware of father time. Take a listen. I think the reality is the clock's ticking on everybody, and um, we're going to have to work as hard as we can and not waste any minutes of any day trying to get used to one another and um, embrace the challenge and, and see it as an opportunity to see um, you know what we can become. All right, I'm getting you guys both back on the same page. I know you both love Brady, so let's talk some Tom versus Tom. Oh, no. The 43-year-old quarterback met with Tampa reporters for the first time yesterday, talked about some of the challenges he's up against in year 21, like actually studying his playbook for the first time. New terminology, probably new font. I bet you Tampa uses a little Comic Sans. It's all new adventures for Tom Brady. Take a listen to this. Obviously, for me, you know, changing teams after a long period of time, um, you know, giving me an opportunity to really look at myself and what I want to continue to, uh, you know, achieve in my career and think that I can bring to a team. Um, it's 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 been different having the opportunity, you know, over this time to you know move and then to you know, for example, study my playbook. I mean, I really haven't had to do that in. 19 years so you know you forget man that's really tough like all the different terminologies and you know you're going back a very long time in my career to um you know to really have to put the mental energy in like I did so I think the reality is the clock's ticking on everybody and um we're gonna have to work as hard as we can and not waste any minutes of any day trying to get used to one another and um embrace the challenge and and see it as an opportunity to see um, you know, what we can become. Nick, you heard him say it. The clock is ticking on everybody, including himself. Do you think the clock has run out on Tom Brady? I mean, I'm pretty on the record on this. I think the clock ran out on Tom Brady early last season, and I think we have all the evidence of it. The New England Patriots last year lost every single game. Their defense allowed more than 17 points. They didn't have a single win last season that was due to Tom Brady playing great. And in the playoffs, that continued. Like, people are saying, did the if the clock didn't run out on Brady midway through the season, you know when it officially struck midnight? When their season ended on a Tom Brady pick six right there. Great job by our video team having that ready. They didn't even know I was going to say that. that I mean, <laughs> they, they, they scored 13 points in a playoff loss, and it ended on a pick six. So, uh, Wilds, to me, this is, he's 43 years old. He's the greatest quarterback ever. But the, the idea that Tampa, because of their weapons, is going to get some rejuvenated throwback Brady, I know, Kevin, that's the conventional wisdom. It's just not what I see happening, and I didn't see the evidence that that Brady still existed last season, Wilds. Yeah, I interpreted the quote a little bit differently. I didn't know if he was talking about his career or just like leading up to, you know, kickoff. Because if he's talking about kickoff, like the clock's ticking differently for Drew Brees. Like Drew Brees doesn't have to waste any time looking at his playbook. He doesn't have to waste any time like saying like, hey, by the way, I'm Drew. It's nice to meet you. I'm the quarterback. Tom has to do all of that. <laughs> I think that eats into some of his prep. So, Greg, I, I don't know if we're making too big a deal of this or not a big enough deal enough the fact that how long it takes 
in the sort of the condensed schedule that he has with his teammates. Wilds, I'm going to jump right in where you just left off. I, I agree. I, the, the clock has not run out. If he's still in uniform and he still has an opportunity to be under center and compete, the clock hasn't run out. Regardless of how we've seen him perform or what his last throw in New England looked like, Nick, he still has another <laughs> opportunity to get that ball in his hand and throw it down the field. To Wilds, to your point, that was my takeaway. When, when he talks about spending time with looking into his playbook and learning new plays, what he's talking about is when, you, when you've been in a system, you don't have to waste that time. It's not that he doesn't look at his playbook. It's not that he doesn't refresh his memory. It's not that he don't add or implement new uh, plays or implement things that are little uh, nuances that he has to relearn or learn. But... You don't have to spend countless moments and hours studying to ingrain and literally brand those plays and that verbiage into your mind so that it can become second nature, so that it can become something that just rolls off the tip of your tongue. Like you alluded to, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and all these other quarterbacks, because they are familiar with their systems, they can spend their time, quality time, just perfecting that timing, that chemistry, because they haven't had the time with the guys. Now Brady, because of coronavirus, because of all the things that we've seen different uh, this offseason, he hasn't had any of those moments. So that's what he's talking about. Greg, real quick here, because I know we don't have a ton of time. I just want to toss it back to you. You've been on the other side of this as far as the building chemistry, a new team on the receiver side. How much time for you was spent your first season in Minnesota, especially in the lead up to it, on just figuring stuff out rather than what you already had figured out in Green Bay and then you could just work on on the field stuff? I spent a ton of time. I spent a ton of time with uh, – Christian Ponder, uh, simply because he was a younger quarterback, uh, then not so much even on the field, because on the field, we were on the field before practice, after practice, just catching balls, trying to see what I did, what he did. But mentally in the film room, you have to understand how a quarterback thinks, what he's thinking, what he sees, how he sees a play in a de defense developing and what they're doing so that you can get on the same page. It's not just about running routes and getting open. It's being in a window. What do you see? What are you looking at? Why are you looking at it this way? So then I can then say why I'm looking at it and what I'm seeing as a receiver and a route runner because there's there are two different perspectives and two different vantage points. We're starting at two different positions, but we have to see the same thing. And that's getting on the same page as your receiver's that creates the timing and makes things a lot more seamless. So then let me bring this up. This is interesting. Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre chimed in on Brady. He talked about the advice that he gave Tom on switching teams so late in his career, something he himself did. T take a listen to what he had to say. I think his question to me was, if you had it to do all over again, would you do, do it again the, the same way? And I would. He has zero to prove to anyone. Right. Um, and if you still want to play and you want to try your hand somewhere else, by all means, man, go do it. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, I, I would never say if, if you fail, because he's not going to fail. Uh, even if he, if he doesn't play well, he's, he's always going to go down as the greatest to ever play the game. 
All right, Nick, I don't know. I think there's a small part or a big part of Tom Brady that would love to prove to New England that he had a lot left in the tank. But do you buy what, what uh, Brett Barber's saying, that Tom Brady has nothing left to prove at this point in his career? I think he has nothing left to prove to the to the general public, but that doesn't mean he has anything, nothing left to prove to himself or that chip on his shoulder that has kept him motivated, at least in part, for the last 20 years. And, yeah, I don't think it's it, – I don't believe you can ever go backwards in legacy. And when you're already the greatest of all time, everything you do from there is just free money. But – because he wanted to stay in New England Wilds and because the Patriots wanted to move on, yeah, I think he has something to prove to the Patriots, something to prove to himself, even if he is already emblazoned as the greatest quarterback to ever play, basically unanimously. So I guess the question is, what is he trying to prove? That he can win a Super Bowl? Is it Super Bowl or bust? Because I feel like if he has a Montana-esque run or a Favre-esque run with the Vikings, that that's considered a success. Like, I don't think, and what totally Favre said, agree. I don't think he's going to fail just because, like, he's not going to make the mistakes that Jameis did in the Tampa's offense, if we could throw those numbers up. Jameis was sacked 47 times. Brady's not going to get sacked. Brady had to run, uh, Jameis had to run away. Brady's just going to throw the ball away. 30 interceptions, and he's not going to throw any interceptions. So he's not going to fail. But I don't know if they've got enough, like, with this, uh, you know, sort of weathering period, Greg, that they're going to win the Super Bowl. So to you, Greg, my question is this. When you switch teams, were you like, were you like, we have to win the Super Bowl to be successful? I'm a Super Bowl champion. If I don't win the Super Bowl, the season is a loss for me. No. To answer your question directly, no, that wasn't the case for me, but I'm not Tom Brady. And I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't come to a different team with six Super Bowl rings and nine Super Bowl appearances. Like that wasn't that wasn't my resume. However, I did have the mindset and the mentality that we better win and we need to be successful just because that's who I was. That's what was in me. But that's what does what that mean? I, the, that means you have to play well because you want to prove something not just to yourself, but to your peers to the guys that you're leaving the locker room away from and to the guys that you're walking into the new locker room with. And so when it comes to Tom Brady, does he have, to Nick's point, anything to prove when it comes to legacy? No, you can't go back. You, it, it, like he said, it, this is all icing. But the icing better look and taste good because that's what Tom Brady wants. He wants to prove not only to himself, but to, to Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots that they made the wrong decision, just like Brett Favre. If he had it to do all over again, he would do it all over again. But he would want to finish the way that he ultimately dreamt of finishing, which was the icing on the cake, hoisting that Lombardi trophy so he can throw it back in the face of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that's just that's not... every player feels that way yeah. when they leave a team that they've been with for years. Up a nine and seven I agree. All right. Brady may not have anything left to prove. The same cannot be said for Joel Embiid of the Sixers now that Ben Simmons is sidelined. First things first. First things first is sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. 
Back here with the Chris Broussard. Time for stories to start your morning, starting with a Laker letdown. Lakers Rockets, LeBron James watching this one from the bench with a groin issue. Russell Westbrook watching this one from the bench with a thigh contusion. I was watching this from my couch with a kale smoothie, so we're all the same. <laughs> Lakers lost again. They dropped to two and three inside the bubble. Nick, are the Lakers just kind of mailing it in until the playoffs start? What's happening here? Well, listen, they can't shoot. They, the Rockets were plus 57 points from three. I've never seen a discrepancy like that at any level of basketball. But this is typical. A team clinches the one seed. They rest their best player. They're, they're not that engaged. It just feels different because it's in the bubble. Yesterday, Broussard, I said Lakers stock was trading at $27 a share. I would buy it up. It's now yeah. fallen to $24 <laughs> a share, and I'm buying even more of it. So anyone that wants to get rid of their Lakers stock, wants to pick the Blazers like a doofus or whatever you want to do, I will buy that stock from you, Kevin Wilds. I'll buy it from you. Okay. Oh, it's my turn. I don't have a ton of, <laughs> of, of shares to sell. I, I, I liquidated them a long time ago because I know you're saying it's a historical precedent for LeBron to go on a little bit of a swoon, but the fact that they're last in the bubble in shooting, last in three-point percentage, second to last in assists, I think it's more than the historical sort of like, take a take it easy, take your foot off the gas pedal swoon, Broussard. Yeah, look, they'll beat Portland in the first round. Uh, oh, their see. problems, well, at least Houston, the if they meet them in the second round, will be interesting. But the, I, I look, I like the Lakers, but I like the Clippers better. And I, I see nothing, absolutely nothing to change my mind on that. Oh, Broussard, flat right, breaking well, news. Broussard didn't watch the first game of the bubble when the Lakers beat him. I see nothing. I see without, nothing. Give me a break. Speaking of the Clippers, <laughs> they took down the Mavericks last night. Kawhi leading the way for L.A. with 29 points. Broussard, this is likely a playoff preview. Who do you like in a seven-game series here? Oh, my gosh. The Clippers. Uh, it, it will probably go five Dallas is a nice young team. Obviously, I love Luka, Porzingis. You know, they got some other nice little pieces. They can't finish, though. So these this game, what you saw last night, a lot of the playoffs games would look like this. Dallas hanging around. Ooh, it's a good one. Nick texting me. Ooh, the Clippers <laughs> are in trouble. And then, of course, the Clippers That's pull away in the fourth quarter. It's not even close. So I, I did not text you. Nick, the Clippers are in trouble. I, just real quick, Wilds, I text you, there's still time to change your pick. Now, you thought I was saying your Clippers championship pick. I was actually saying your ridiculous Nikola Jokic third in the MVP pick. It was just oh. lost in translation. That's what happened, Broussard. <laughs> but go ahead, Wilds. So now I get confused on Le Le Broussard's real ballot and your pretend ballot. You had Luka on first team <laughs> All-NBA and he can't finish, you gotta be first team NBA, all NBA, and you can't finish a game, yeah, that probably drops well. Wow. Okay, I, I don't know that I agree that Luka can't finish a game, but Broussard, who okay. didn't have Luka on first team all NBA, says he can't finish, also said he's the greatest 20 year old in basketball history. So That's Broussard's Luka takes are competing with each other. That's a fact, Broussard, no, and I'm not he, gonna let he, you forget it. It's fair, <laughs> Broussard. It's not, it's not that Luka can't finish. A They're point. a young team as a whole. They can't finish. And Luka, oh, best second year oh, play, no. 20 year old. LeBron was 20 <laughs> in his third year. He was better at that.
The age is funny. Uh, it's just oh, a funny okay. situation. Oh, okay. All right, let's move on. Beasts of the East here. The Bucks locking up the top seed last night with a 23-point comeback win over the Miami Heat. Giannis and Middleton each with 33. That's like a tie. Nick, we know this is going to happen. We kind of knew it. Giannis said the biggest challenge for us is ourselves. He used a different accent, though. Can anyone out East stop the Milwaukee Bucks? What? Hey, I said before the season came to a halt, the Bucs would not face a game six in the Eastern Conference playoffs. They'd be sweeps or gentlemen sweeps throughout. I no longer feel that way. I, even though they won this game, this is back-to-back -back games where Giannis plays in the first half and they still give up 73 points. Now, I do think, Broussard, this was important for them because I think there's going to be a second-round playoff series potentially, and Miami had their number. But the Bucs need to get back to defending the way they did. That, as much as anything, is why they were the best team in basketball before the season stopped. I, I will give you props, Nick, for changing that. You're right. I mean, I, I give you that for having the integrity to say they will definitely face a game six. If Milwaukee gets out of the East, it is not going to be easy. Toronto is tough. Miami is tough. Boston is tough. They're going to have a hard time getting out of the East. Huh. Uh, I think I liked when the end of this game, Giannis went into big brother mode. With about four minutes left, he shot a three. They were down by one. It clanked off the rim. I'm like, what is Giannis doing? Next three plays, four minutes left, dunk. 250 left, dunk. 222 left, dunk. They're all of a sudden they're up by 14. I'm. I feel like the Giannis needs to shoot threes. I, dead that. I'm out on that. It's the Ben Simmons media effect. Just dead go that. to the rim and dunk. The spin moves un, unstoppable. Just do it. No more of these like uncontested threes. Don't shoot them. Do what you know. The two -time all right. MVP on to advice. a Sixer sideline. <laughs> Some tough news for Philly fans. Ben Simmons is out indefinitely with a partially dislocated left kneecap. He's considering treatment options at this point. Until then, Joel Embiid will carry the load. Nick, what does this mean for Simmons and the Sixers? Well, listen, it's terrible. If they if they flame out in the first round, I, I think as Broussard's been saying, Brett Brown's gone. And if they play really well in the postseason, then I think they start saying, you know what? The Simmons and Bead thing, it, it, does it, is it better, is the sum not greater than the two parts? I, I said that awkwardly, but meaning, should we move on from one of them? I think, even though I did have Ben Simmons third team All NBA on my fake ballot because of his great defense, I think Simmons is the piece you would move. That Embiid had been the guy you had the injury concerns with. You now are starting to have them more with Simmons. I feel like if you're going to have the one true old school low post center, there's a possibility it just can't work with the most unconventional point guard in basketball, Broussard. So, yeah, I think they needed to see these guys on the court together in the postseason, and now you might not get to see it. I think it's a huge deal. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, as much as they have not been able to find a way to get the best out of those two on the court together, they still are a better team with both of them. Over the last three years, they've won 66% of their games when both are on the floor, only 55% of their games when it's just MB playing. So I think what this points to is an early exit from the playoffs for Philadelphia. Nice. I know Wilds, you'll probably say they were 3-1 and one against Boston. 
who's their likely opponent in the first round this season. Here's the problem. Ben Simmons was great against Boston. That's a big reason why they were 3-1. and one. He averaged 18 points, 61% shooting from the floor. Embiid, on the other hand, has struggled against the Celtics, only 39% shooting from the floor in three games. So the question, Nick, for, is going to be, if they go out early, does that give an excuse to Philadelphia to keep Brett Brown? Do they say, well, we didn't get a chance to see oh, the two stars again together. So that's they why had we a went chance, out. Though. Or do they move forward? Nick, really quick to Go you. Ahead, if they move on from Ben, where does he go? Like, what team is rooting for a deep Sixers run with the idea that they could possibly move Ben for one of their guys? It's tough. I would have I said Portland before Portland went on. If you thought Portland was going to shake things up, I, I think Simmons for Beal is something that Philly would do in a heartbeat, yep. but, but Simmons and John Wall doesn't really make sense. Jenna, it's hard to find the right place. Also, a timeline for an injury like this, four to six weeks. You're looking at maybe early second round of the playoffs for his return. C-Mac, Christian McCaffrey said, uh, being on fantasy pick is, quote, more pressure than anything. Wilds, are you buying this as we end the show here? I, I just, uh, like, is there real pressure? I don't like when players know where they are in the draft status. And McCaffrey likes his Madden status, his fantasy status. Just an odd thing. Don't worry about it. I had Brian Westbrook on my People team, go and he's falling down at the one-yard line. He doesn't care about me. Right, and he heard about it. People are going to be in his mentions if All he's right, not great, Jenna. We got to go. That's going to do it for us. Broussard, thank you so much. Have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. We'll see you Monday. <laughs>